Welcome to the LaRouge Rugby Podcast with your hosts, Derek Brissett, Stu Hardy, and Dan Murphy. Just getting a chat there from referee Nutbrown. He was the one that was pinged on a couple of occasions recently. So here they go, Quatrin. Canada under 20 product as well. They go down to Cellini looking for the short angle. Look at this line! He's come from space! That's absolutely a moon landing! Giuseppe de Troyes, take a bow. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, I hope that you are both surviving this, this uh, extreme heat that we've been getting. I know that uh, up here in a little bit north of Seven, it's been quite unbearable. We're in a drought warning. Uh, how are you guys handling it? Um, I mean, it's hot. It's definitely hot. It's, uh, you know, going out, it's one of those, uh, I feel like it's one of those days where it's like, you just go outside and instantly start sweating. Um, so that's, uh, that's not always the best feeling to me. I don't, I've, uh, been all right, man. I got my, uh, my brother visiting in from Vancouver right now. So been able to, uh, spend some time with him during this weekend. So, uh, that's always a good time. I don't get the chance to see him that often. So it's always good when he, uh, gets out here. He brought a bunch of the, uh, beer that he brews at the R and B brewery in, uh, Vancouver. So there's, uh, quite the, uh, the sample package in the fridge right now. So Stu's eyes are lighting up as, uh, as we speak here. So <laughs> Stu's just like, there's yeah. Derek's copy here. Why aren't we recording hey, at Derek's house? What's this Zoom nonsense? Why are we still doing this? Hey, everyone's got to get their liquids in. You know, was it two liters a day? They didn't specify yeah. water they did, or where the source of water comes from. Just because it happens to come from beer should count all the same. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I've been uh, enjoying the sunshine as much as I can, being ginger. So a good 10 seconds outside is enough for me uh, before I burst into flames. <laughs> and um yeah just been enjoying uh taking in the uh, sights and sounds of uh toronto on the active to routes uh just been doing uh, zoom video chats with uh family back in the uk uh, shout out to all the hardies that are listening to the podcast and yeah it's just uh, it's been a pleasant weekend to say the least yeah and uh how about the uh the hurricanes the arrows partnership team uh finally ending that crusaders home winning streak Man, can you imagine if somebody posted, like, I don't know, a video to social media saying that the Crusaders were just, like, undefeatable, and then the yeah. few hours later, they lose? They what lose kind that. of idiot would do that? I have anyway, no my TikTok is at Stuart.w.hardy <laughs> if you want to see that video. <laughs> and uh, and their, their good luck even got better with uh, Julian Sevea saying that he's coming back to play with them for the rest of the season. Yeah, too, but they, so. lost, uh, they lost Luampe, so that's... Yeah, so. I you mean, give, you get, you know? Take, you yeah, his, exactly. You know, with, with uh, for, for me personally, with uh, Ardron leaving Super Rugby, I've been kind of... Uh, Stu, Stu just has to make a new video with the, like, uh, the, the, the Hurricanes just running through Super Rugby, you know? <laughs> or should I do the opposite and just say they're going to get destroyed for the rest of the season only for yeah. us to see Super, uh, Super Rugby champions That's what you, you should start doing. 2020. You should start uh, making Super Rugby predictions based off TikTok videos. <laughs> TikTok dancing to uh, Super Rugby picks. <laughs> that sounds like awful, awful idea. No, that sounds like great content. Make it. Uh, we need to make a LaRouge Rugby yeah. TikTok. We'll make Stu the head of it. 
and uh, it will just be all like TikTok dances to uh, various um, rugby predictions. The Premiership starts back up. The Champions Cup. It'll just all mm-hmm. be Stu making those picks on TikTok. I think this is a good marketing idea. We need to get into that. Stu, don't listen to him. You don't have to do this. I turned my uh, headphones off for a second. What were you talking about? Uh, <laughs> you making the TikTok yeah. videos? Yeah. All right. Fantastic. All right, gentlemen. Let's let's refocus here. So, uh, we've got a lot of news that we want to talk about, um, but we're going to start start at home. Start with, uh, you know, re re signing a bunch of uh, Toronto Arrows players that have happened uh, in this past week. Uh, the Arrows announced five new players, uh, or not new players, five uh, Arrows uh, re-signing. Taylor Adams, Manuel Diana, Giuseppe Dutrois, Leandro Livas, and Ben Lesage have all re-signed. Uh, very exciting. You know, each one of these gentlemen have uh, brought a lot to the Arrows, uh, either uh, last year or the last two years. You know, gentlemen, who is the, f- the, f- the, the, the guy that you're most excited to play again? Um, let's start with you, uh, Stu. Well, I've said before when it was the signing of uh, Toma De La Vega that he was one of the two best signings, not just for the Arrows, but for MLR in general. And the other half of that partnership was Manuel Diana. I think there was uh, rumors going around that he may have been uh, heading off to Bristol, but it's, uh, obviously he's staying in the uh, Great White North which is obviously fantastic for Arrows fans. Um, but then again, we also have the X Factor himself, Taylor Adams, and especially with um, Sammy the Boot heading to Japan. Uh, this could be a really good time for Taylor to step up. and Because I know he did some of the kicking duties of 2020, but uh, for 2021, he could be the main kicker. Obviously, um, Dutrois and uh, Lavis, great uh, try scorers each i think um the mlr video uh this week was uh, the top five tries for um toronto and i think uh, both of them were featured in that uh ben let's say i last time i just want to make this absolutely sh- sure that's right uh yeah he started in all the games um Oh, five games. Sorry, it was a debut season. He has uh, 162 um, carrying meters from 19 carries. He made uh, 84% of all tackles. And he added three offloads, two line breaks, and a tackle break throughout uh, the 2020 season. All in all, these are five great resignings for Toronto, though I would say the one that stands out the most has to be Manuel Diana. Derek, do you feel the same uh, as same? Because I, I have an opinion, uh, which I will gladly share. You know what? Uh, you know what? Let's uh, let's switch up this order. Let's uh, let's hear your opinion first. Um, you know what? I, I think that Spencer Jones is such a unique talent. Uh, he was so electric in um in the first season of the Arrows. You know, when all the other guys were kind of off. Uh, serving in the ARC, he was one of the guys that was was with the Arrows the entire season, and he really contributed um, on both sides of the ball. Um, but Ben Lesage has really changed a big way how that defensive line looks and that back line. And um, uh, DTH Vandenmerver on the Loose Sets podcast when he's been interviewed, and he had to make a a team that he would take to Mars to to uh, play Martians. 
And uh, his 13 jersey was Ben Lesage. And one of the reasons he said he's one of the smartest guys that he's ever played with, just, a, just an intelligent rugby mind. And it is a shocker in DTH's words that he's not playing in Europe. And I agree with DTH. I think that if he had a full World Cup and you know, didn't break his hand, who knows what uh, more stock can be put into him. And then, you know, you push, see him play in the Arrows uh, season, you know, Stock goes up even higher. I, I, I was a little shocked that we were able to get him back as well. So I think that uh, he is my most uh, exciting signing. I know that I'm really excited to see what uh, Taylor Adams does for the team. And, you know, I'm very happy Deanna was back. But I, I think to me for success to go on and teams are really bolstering their, their back lines as we will see uh, later on in the podcast. So I'm glad that he's back. Yeah, absolutely. I think you guys kind of both touched on it. I mean, this is probably as far as like a group of signings for an announcement, this is probably the best group that the arrows have announced so far, just as far as like the, like it's all five like legitimate starters on the team. Levis, um, who know, like, you know, he might have to fight for a spot depending on, you know, when we finally, uh, are able to, uh, you know, see who is replacing Dan Moore. Um, so, you know, that's a, he's a really good player that's going to be coming in too. So that'll be some interesting positional battles that'll arise when that announcement happens too. And, um, but I think for me, when I was talking to Lesage earlier in this year, around the uh, time when they played Rooney in the exhibition scrimmage, uh, he said that one of the things that drew him to the Toronto Arrows was the depth that they had at center. And, Honestly, it's just great to see that the entire center group is back because the center group is just stacked. Um, we have like Mitch Richardson, Spencer Jones, as you touched on there, Dan, uh, Ben Lesage. And then uh, one of my, I guess my pick for a uh, guy I'm most excited about, to be perfectly honest with you, um, is Giuseppe Detroit. Um, I think, you know, Detroit is just, he's an unreal center. Um, he has a really high rugby IQ. Um, excellent ball carrier, but, um, you know, he just shines on the defensive side of the game. He had uh, 50 tackles this year, which led all backs across Major League Rugby, made those tackles an 86% completion rate, which, again, is solid. Uh, you know, he's – it's been known that, you know, he's you know, typically, you know, a type of guy that's willing to, you know, make, the, make play calls on the fly in the middle of a game. Um, he has an ability to finish off tries as well, as we most recently saw against the Houston Sabercats um, for his lone try of the season. Um, he's, also, he's just got a really good rugby mind and is able to, you know, understand and know where the ball should be going. But especially on the defensive side of the ball, his positioning is outstanding. Him alongside Lesage in the centers too makes it incredibly difficult to come through that channel for offensive teams. And I mean, the Toronto Arrows had the number one ranked defense in Major League Rugby through the abbreviated season here. And Detroit especially, but also Lesage were major reasons why. Because it was like it was tough to run through that channel, man. Like they're they like they were outstanding and on the defensive side of the ball. I I think that's a that's a great point, Derek. And uh um uh, Detroit is. I have an interesting fan relationship with Detroit because I remember when he first was, you know, getting capped with with the senior team, and and it was just a strange. You know, he was, he was a smaller guy, you know, and and when Canada normally pulls out a twelve, it's normally someone like Nick Blevins or George Barton, big guys. You know, they're bowling balls that you're going to send down the middle. So to see them cap Detroit, it was always kind of strange to me. And then 
you know, when I saw him get signed, I'm like, oh, he's just going to take a spot away from, you know, somebody else. And uh, his development and especially just his, his work ethic of getting, you know, bigger and stronger and, and smarter defensively has just been something that's been really, really fun to watch. Um, and, you know, an interesting point that you kind of brought up with Livas is he's in an interesting situation. That's for sure. I mean, he's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 32, 33 years old now. You know, he, he's starting to get to the, you know. Neat. I will check that for you. Check that for me while I'm going on my tangent. Yeah, I'll um, check that. I don't. Yeah, I'll you know, he certainly, he certainly could have, he certainly could have gone back to uh, yeah, slaughter. Uh, and you know, yeah, July 6, 1988. He's 32, 32, 32. years old. I so guess he could have definitely gotten a spot on another MLR team, or definitely gone back to slaughter. But he went back to the Arrows, and you know, the next few years post Olympics is going to be really interesting to see what Rugby Canada wants to do with their sevens players. So I wonder if this is kind of a last hurrah for for uh, Livas, even even uh, Maris, because you know there's a, there's a couple of 15s crossover players that played in the sevens that you know are still pretty young. That if the you know Kingsley Jones is is key, he's going to try and he's going to want those guys to be playing more 15s. You know, guys like Theo Sauter and especially like Andrew Coe, You know, he had such a strong World Cup, and then you know. He's someone that if they want him to be, you know, a future part of the 15s program, get him with the arrows. I mean, that seems like a slam dunk decision. So the future for, for, for Levis is, is interesting, but I'm excited to see him back. Now um, I tossed I, this question. I, I think that's ahead. what you can kind of do though. Like, you know, the, the arrows do have a little bit of depth in their, uh, as far as their wingers and the fullbacks are concerned, and there's going to be more depth coming too. So <laughs> You know, we keep, we keep on teasing that. We keep, we keep on throwing that. And we keep on. But it's like, hey, you know, they they only have three. They have two wingers and uh, the back or fullback sign, right? So it's like you know, there has to be more coming. Um, they're only at twenty one. Apparently, there's around thirty guys that have already been signed. But um, right, the official announcements right now we have at sitting at twenty one. Um, so I think like right now, based on the guys that we know that have been signed, your back three for the arrows are um, Mirez, Levis, and Gonzalez, um, which I think you know just makes sense. Um, but but yeah, like even even during this year, like with Dan Moore playing, right? Like you know, Levis was a guy. It's like he started some games. There were some games where he was on the bench, and then Mirez would start some games. Some games he was on the bench. Malcolm and Moore pretty much started all the time. Even going back to 2019, right? There was you know depending on who's in form or maybe you have to rest somebody because you know in 2019 they had that three games in eight days stretch right so right, it was like you sure. had to you know Winokur and Silverthorne had to get creative with the lineup and move guys around and mess around with that a little bit um but you know it, it'll be interesting to just it's one of those positions and it's the same with like the, the back row a little bit too it'll be one of those positions that it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out um when we you know when it's all said and done as far as like training camp goes next year now, uh, speaking about the, the back row, um, with Dan Moore's departure, there's, gonna, there's an obvious gap in the captaincy. Um, Karen G, you know, we love her. She, she runs the Rugby United Canada Twitter account, and she's been very active with the Arrows Up uh, Facebook page, so we can't thank her enough for all the, all the fan support that she's been doing with the Arrows and, and Rugby Canada, especially leading up to the World Cup. But she, she kind of brought on an interesting conversation that I, I want to kind of talk with you guys about is if we are assuming that one rumbles back, which it sounds like he will be back, 
and they they get make him the captain because it just makes sense with vice him being vice captain last year. You, you bump him up, you promote him. I want to hear who you guys would take as as the vice captain. And again, provided everyone you know minus the guys we know are leaving are gone, provided everyone's coming back, you know who who are you who are you going to give the the vice captaincy to? Like assuming that most, like assuming that unless we've been told that they're not. Yeah, unless back, you know, back. so Sam Malcolm gone, you know, Dan Moore retired, you know, yeah. but but right, we but, assume everybody's back. Okay, who are you going to give it to? Well, I think it's uh, very difficult um, to say as well because um, like we all know that Lucas has um, taken on responsibility before. He was the first captain for the Toronto Arrows until he had to go play in the America's Rugby Championship. Um, I did like the split of having one of the captains be um, in the backs and the one of the captains be in the forwards. So in that way of thinking, I would like to see the vice captain be in one of the backs. And... I'm not a hundred percent sure because there are so many great guys that are playing all the time. I I'm gonna make an interesting thing. I'm gonna say Detroit. I'd like to maybe pick him as captain. I mean, he has been you know instrumental for the Arrows from uh, or originating from Maple Ridge, um, and he started all five matches this year, so he's been in the thick of it with the rest of them. Um, but also, and um, he's 24, so I think he still has at least um, like a good number of years left in uh, his rugby career and um, to establish a player of um, his caliber as someone – and, well, first of all, I'm sure that all the players in the Arrows have each other's respect. But uh, if we make him – if he's made vice-captain, I think it would be a great – um, addition, and especially when it comes to terms of um, seniority amongst the players as well going forward. I think yeah, Detroit's a good pick. Uh, I don't I don't know if you necessarily need um, a captain in the backs and a captain in the forwards, especially since like from I guess from the actual gameplay perspective, it's like the act the captain captain is the only one that can still talk to the ref. Um, so. But, you know, it's obviously you have to have that leadership group and stuff within the back group as well. So, I mean, if out of the backs, Tatois would be a solid pick. I think, to me, I think it's going to be Thomas De La Vega. If you were to be like right now, promote the guy to being the vice captain. I think he showed up and just immediately brought his expertise and, you know, all his experience to the Toronto Arrows. The Toronto Arrows line-out is a lot better. Um, he's now the primary line-out caller. He just kind of joined the team and that was his role. I mean, if you, he's called lineouts for the Pumas. So if he's, if you can do that for the Pumas, you can do that for the arrows. Um, I think it's, you know, all, all the boys on the team seem to love him. Um, he, you know, stayed in Toronto with his wife for during the lockdown as well, while we've been in quarantine. Um, so, you know, it's like, he's, it's clear that it's clear to me that he's like dedicated to being on this team, dedicated to staying in the city. He was, I think was he the he was the first guy to be announced to be re-signed, right? Or at least in that first group. I guess I if we technically so, yeah. if we technically rank it, I guess it's alphabetical order though. Um, if we were to technically rank it, I guess. But so I mean, like he's obviously back. He's here for you know he's committed to the team and stuff. And I think 
I think it's going to be him. Like, I think he's just one of those guys that just has a respect of everybody in the room. And I think, I, I don't know if you, I think for your, your captain, your vice captain, you maybe you don't necessarily have to deal with positional needs necessarily. Um, but yeah, I think you just go with the two best guys. I think Rumball, because I mean, Rumball's captain Canada at some point. So uh, I think that just makes sense. Like you guys said, just promote him from vice captain to captain. But then uh, Della Vega would be my next guy up. Which no, quite the uh, quite the back row group really on this team. It's pretty it's pretty loaded. I think the important thing for any captain or vice captain. Um, following on from uh, Dan Moore, is that they have long flowing hair. So when they do have to run up to uh, the ref to confirm decisions, you can see the hair blowing in the breeze as so they Lucas, go along. So Lucas Rumble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, why exactly. He, that's Lucas why he's Rumble. captain, but the yeah, vice exactly. captain now has to follow. Uh, well, yeah, maybe that's something that we should look again. into. It's like maybe the arrows have like a hair length requirement to be uh, the captain. So Andrew Quatrins appears to be out of the running. It looks like he yeah he took care of that. Um, who's got the Johnny Sheridan? Johnny Sheridan's got some flow going, so maybe maybe it'll be him. Maybe he's maybe he meets that threshold that is apparently important for captaincy. Uh, so Karen said Andrew Quatrin. That was her decision. Give mm. give the young lad uh, that's long enough to hair grow. Now, That's the question. Yeah, um, I what, personally what, think. What was her reasoning for Quatrin? Her reasoning was, uh, I'm going to say my my pick was Andrew Ferguson. Okay. I think that he has put in a ton of work. Um, I think that he has been there from from the get go, and I think that he, I think he's going to be taking the next step next year personally. So I think that uh, if we're talking about um, you know leadership, I think that he's going to be a big part of it. Um, young but a leader for sure, she said. And he's got he's got just got a ton of potential to meet uh, you know. Uh, I don't hate it. I, I like I don't like dislike that pick. Like if they were like yeah, Quachin's captain, I think yeah. that's a great pick. I have. I think I think that's the one thing, man. It's like I know, you know, when you see kind of like interviews and stuff, especially. Um, I used to, for my job, I used to have to like watch this video of the uh, Montreal Canadiens where it's kind of talking about some of their dynasty runs, uh, especially the one in the seventies. And one of the big things that they kept bringing up why like guys like Larry Robinson would constantly talk about was just like their team was so good because they had 20 captains, Like that was what made them better than everybody else. Right. It's like, you have to name a guy captain, but it's like you can pull anybody off that roster and there'll be a captain of another, of another NHL team was basically their mindset. And I feel like the arrows are kind of, you know, honestly, I feel like they're kind of in a very similar position where it's like, you know, you might give the actual captaincy to Rumble, but it's like you, you want a team where it's like you kind of have 15 guys on the pitch at a time with a captain mentality at the very least. And so I think that's kind of why this debate is actually kind of fun because, you know, whether it's uh, who did you say, Dan Ferguson, um, Stu was saying Detroit, I said uh, De La Vega, um, Karen is saying Quatrin. I'm sure if we ask, I mean, I'm sure if we ask enough people, we could probably get somebody to say everybody on the roster at some point. So, yeah, um, like that's, that's a good thing. That's a good problem to have. Um, best of luck to uh, Mark Winokur and Chris Silverthorne or however they decide to determine that um that'll be fun you know what as it stands right now technically 
Stu is the only one that really could say for sh- like he's got the best chances because he's the only one that's been signed out of the, the other three that we've I all said, just I said Della Vega. I said Della Vega. <laughs> oh, you said Della Vega. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I was so thinking about myself. With that though, as a bit of a segue or whatever, basically, uh, my opinion, anyways, now that we're sitting at 21 signed players. Um, going into the 2021 season. Um, so I, I'm thinking, my thinking right now is that the biggest names out of guys that haven't been signed yet would be, as we mentioned in this captain discussion here, Lucas Rumball, Andrew Ferguson, Andrew Quatran, And then I would also add Mike Shepard, Peter Malazzo, Jamie McKenzie would be like my, at the top of my list of guys yeah. that have not been announced as signed. Yet. Mike, Mike Shepard's an interesting one because... You felt like for a lot of these guys and, and, and MLR as a whole that some guys were doing this season as a last hurrah. You really felt like, I don't know, personally I felt like Mike Shepard and also Rob Brower kind of signed on to kind of, you know, go win. I know they both stated in the first season that signing with the Arrows was, was, to, was a means to ends to get to the World Cup, which, I mean, it almost worked for both of them. Um, so... He's going to be really interested, especially with his injuries that he had at the World Cup. You know, does he want to risk another season? Um, that that that's going to be a very interesting discussion. Um, yeah, and then like there'll be there'll be guys like like is is Johnny Sheridan wanting to stick around for another year to you know uh, possibly play bench, possibly you know he scratched. Riley Donardo is going to be another interesting guy to see if he comes back. He's always been, uh, you know, a, a good warrior when the arrows needed him in the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes in the game. So a lot of interesting roster decisions. I would still like to see a guy like Kainoa Lloyd come back. I know that he's been working out with, uh, at the, the, the Victoria base, uh, uh, with, with rugby Canada. So I would love to see him come back. I think, with Lloyd, I mean, I just kind of go with, like, when it was the 2019 season, like, and, like, the wingers and, like, the backs haven't altered. Well, I guess they've altered a little bit. Um, I was going to say they haven't altered too much, but that's probably not true now I'm kind of thinking about it. Um, but it was, like, for the him playing wing, though, like, the wing group in 2019 was, like, Levis, Mirez, Moore, and he didn't play like when they all showed up, like, right. Like he, you know what I mean? Like he found, he found it very hard to get game time. And, you know, this year, but I, I, I personally don't think that he necessarily got the fair shake at the stick. See, but I, that's, that's what, like, that's kind of my thing with him is, is like, I don't think, I don't think he necessarily fits on the arrows, but go play on another MLR team for him. Like, I'm just – like, there's got to be. There's – well, like, there's, thir- uh, I guess, 12 other MLR teams, maybe 13 other MLR teams. And we know right now you got two expansion teams in Dallas and L.A. Like, somebody wants a winger. Like, I mean, I hope, like, you know, somebody should be willing to give him a shot. I just think, like – I just think, to me, he struggled to get game time when he was here. And the winger – like, the winger's depth – has improved since he's left and it's going up again, despite Dan Moore leaving. And so I just, like, I just think it might be hard for him to get game time on the arrows. That's all I'm saying. So what I'm, what I'm, I'm challenging your, uh, your thought process, because I think that there's two things at play here. One, I think that if he's given a fair shot, I think that he could challenge Livas for his spot. 
I also think he's better than Johnny Sheridan. So, you know, Sheridan doesn't play either. Like unless Sheridan, I, yeah. played, Sheridan played against Houston when uh, Livis and Mirez were hurt and had an yeah. unreal game. At Unre- that. Unreal he had a, game. 107 meters carried and was a major factor in that win. Um, but like, that's how he got in the lineup. There was two injuries to the other wingers. Yeah. Right? I, I Those injuries that, like, healed and Sheridan wasn't in the lineup anymore. Sheridan's a, like, like, and I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to take anything away from Johnny Sheridan, unreal depth player. Every team in MLR would be happy to have him as like a depth guy. And maybe he gets better and maybe he can develop into something more than that. But like, I, like if, if Lloyd's better than, if you're, I just think if your argument is that Lloyd's better than Sheridan, then to me, it's just like, all right, so we're just, like we're, we're we're debating like the guys that'll play in the event yeah. of the my big argument or the big four guys on the wing get hurt. My so argument like, is I think that he should be starting over Livas and Sheridan. I think that we have a bias because we've been watching Miras and Livas do their thing together with the arrows, score the big he tries for us. Played. Well, that's the other thing too. He hasn't. When was the last time he played? Like a like he? I guess he played for the Crimson Tide when they did that exhibition game against Steve yeah. but like he's played like a, I mean and he played at the uh, he played a little for Canada during their, their World Cup run too so. yeah um, but yeah I don't know I just I mean the Seawolves were really I just to... don't think the arrows need another winger that's really where I go at like especially if Sheridan is signed um, I just don't think the arrows need another winger that's basically where I'm going at with that yeah. one but if Sheridan's not signed maybe you can have Lloyd in but who knows? <laughs> I don't think you need both of them. If that's oh the no, case. I don't think that they need, you like, don't need in yeah, my in my perfect case, situation. In my situation of like with with the latest signing, in my mind, it was kind of like okay, I don't think Lloyd's going to get signed because of that reason. Like no, no, he's, it, there, it, so. the field's too too crowded. You know what? Let's you know, uh, there's let, like I said though, there's 12, 12 to thirteen other MLR teams depending on how this Hawaii bid yeah. goes. So. Uh, I think it's the same thing for like any player like in positions. Like I also like I don't think I don't want to see Canadian players like relying on the Toronto Arrows. It's like if the Toronto Arrows have like are really strong at one position and that's your position and you can't necessarily fill a need on that team. Uh, you know, head to the states. One of those MLR teams look for a team that you know if teams need wingers, go find a team that needs a winger. If you're a winger, right? So I think. You know, unfortunately, I mean, maybe next year we've had private conversations about how visas might get easier. I mean, easier said than done. Who, for all we know, maybe Kainoa Lloyd did have a have a deal that was okay. Lloyd was should be all right because he's capped. Like that's yeah, right? it's a big. He should be all right. He should I mean, be, he should be. I'm not a visa expert, but yeah, based on Peter what Nelson, I've been Peter told, Nelson was supposed to, you know, capped, was supposed to start right? as well, and he's capped. You know, what, let's uh, let's move on though, because I think that Derek and I can argue about Kanoa Loy for. Yeah. Stu's just like sitting. Stu, do you have any thoughts on Kan- Kanoa Loy here? Stu's just been sitting here for the past tw- ten minutes listening. I to think this. you've gone over all the uh, everything that I wanted to say has already been said. So don't worry about it. Let's uh, let's move on. All right. Well, we're going to move on to the rest of the MLR because there has been a lot of action in the last uh, a week and a half or so. And we're going to start with uh, Nola Gold signing a very interesting international. Uh, Damien Stevens from uh, Namibia, uh, one of the only try scorers against uh, the All Blacks, if, if oh. I'm correct, gentlemen. No, he, he had points. Yeah. He didn't score a try. Oh, okay. Dude, we, we, uh, would know, we would remember if Namibia scored a try against the All Blacks. There you that go. The- oh, they have. And I, I was there at that game when it happened. Oh, wow. What's but that happened? was in 2015. And uh, Stevens scored all the points against uh, the All Blacks in 2019. 
So yeah, how it was three feel- penalties in 2019, though, but yeah. Yeah, so Damien Stevens-Tanola, uh, Nick Boyer uh, is, and again, this is very unofficial because uh, uh, L.A. has been quieter than a ghost town, but uh, Nick Boyer will be joining the Guiltinis um, in 2021. Um, and then Dallas has just been busy, 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 um, signing a whole bunch of uh, bunch of players, um, three uh, former Raptors and Carlos Tunisian, uh, Kalipi Filata and Ryan James. And then they also signed Kareem Ode and Skylar Adams. So they've been really hitting the ground running, being aggressive on social media, you know, taking pride in announcing these players. And before we move on, guys, I want to talk about the stark contrast between the two expansion teams because it is shockingly bad. And that, maybe maybe that's just my opinion. I think you guys are going to agree with me because it's it's been rough. Yeah, I I've not been impressed with um, LA. They made a, they came in with their new name and you know got people talking, whether you like the name or not. Um, but since then, it's been uh, all quiet on the Western Front. Um, meanwhile, Dallas come out with a lovely logo and name, and now they've just um, keep announcing signings and. Also, they've announced uh, head coach and backroom staff. And yeah, I think uh, if you're building like a greater com- community support, um, Dallas has been doing the far better job. And I mean, even if you were to go into the Giltini's website, it's, nothing's changed. There's no link. Even the MLR website doesn't have their logo in the top uh, header. I haven't checked it out. So, it's still just that like motion logo. Um, just confirming as we speak. Oh, there we um, go. look at it. Is it still the motion? Oh, they have logo? a recipe for the drink. Oh no, sorry. That's something else. <laughs> uh, well, like, you, you, know, know, I would, you know, if they put out the recipe for the drink, I wouldn't even be mad about that. At least that'd be something. Um, I mean, you know, the, the frustrating thing is, is, you know, you look at Dallas has, will be uh, releasing their, their store for, for uh, apparel soon, like in, in a few days, you know, there's been a bunch of things that they, they've been doing and, you know, people are, are putting on their tin caps and, and saying, oh, maybe they're changing the name or oh, maybe they're, maybe uh, Gilcrest has been ousted as a, uh, as an owner. And I mean, again, the only, last time we heard from them, was the draft and I, you know, I don't think it's, it's going to be that he's being ousted, but you know, it's, it's, it's gotta be frustrating for fans in LA that want to move on. Um, I can confirm that the website is still the LA uh, Giltini's logo, but is only a direct link to the major league rugby website. Uh, I've just quickly looked on their Twitter page. The last thing they post, last original thing they posted was on June 27th. That's that's nearly a month ago. And what was the post? Is that's after, that's after the draft. Yeah. So that was, um, in, in my about, head, I was thinking like the last thing they've really done was the draft. It, it was retweeting about Prince Harry talking about that he missed rugby, and they're just saying, "Oh, you don't have to wait. Uh, don't have to wait long. The round one of 2021 will be in uh, February." Or words right. to that effect. Hey, you know, if you can recruit Prince Harry and Meghan Markle to come to your game, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's um, I don't, I don't really like it. Um, I definitely don't think. 
like, I mean, you're saying some Tim Cap stuff. I don't think we have any reason to believe that Gilchrist has been ousted as an owner, um, especially since he owns two teams. Um, so that's, that's a lot harder to get rid of. Um, I think, yeah, this, this, to be honest, that's the reason, like the only reason about thing about this that I don't like. And I was like, you know, if you came up with a team name and you came up with a logo that was generally negatively received by the you general be public. Aggressive. Yeah, aggressively um, perceived, but like, I just think you either like you kind of have to still like Major League Rugby. Like you, you guys announced this team as in the league. Now, just because like the public thinks the team name was bad, or the public thinks the logo was bad, or whatever the reason is, you announced the team in the league, and it's like. Dallas is looking like they're completely in the league, right? It's like they're announcing players on a you know regular basis. They're announcing the store to come up. Um, they're you know their staff and stuff is doing interviews with media outlets and things like they're promoting the fact that the Dallas Jackals are a new rugby team, right? They're even like they had some like Twitter engagement with like the Texas Rangers, you know, like they're doing a job promoting their team. And it's weird to see like LA kind of having just like radio silence. Um, on everything, and especially especially the fact that the team isn't on the MLR website yet is at this point, it's like, you know, if you just created a team name that wasn't received very well or people didn't like it, fine, but it's like you, like they're in the league, right? Like Major League Rugby, like somewhere down the line, somebody approved this announcement to go out that we're calling this the team name, right? So it's like you have to do something like there every team in the league is announcing players that are resigning the guiltinis are quiet um and i think i think overall like it's just kind of a bad look for the team right now just to be as silent as they are and maybe you know speculating that maybe maybe that does mean that there is some heavy behind the scenes backlash to this team name and you know maybe they're trying to work on something but like you know, you got to put, put something out. Like, I mean, even like, even if it was like, okay, like you hate, like look at, um, obviously with, you know, the political climate of the United States right now, we're seeing things or in North America in general, I should actually say is we have Washington's NFL team has been like, okay, our team name is terrible, right? It's racially offensive. We have to change it. And, you know, I guess, the recent Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's been happening has, you know, finally swayed their owner who has constantly said that he would never do anything as far as changing the name to actually be changing the name. The same thing has happening here in the CFL with um, Edmonton. The Edmonton CFL team has also changed their name, but they've changed it to like placeholders, right? So I think we got like EE football for Edmonton and then um, like Washington FC, right? Now, I'm not trying to compare the three team names here. As I just said, what Washington and Edmonton's football teams were previously known as were racist and offensive, um, whereas the Giltinis is simply just a name that the majority of MLR fans think is stupid. Um, But I do like the idea of now that Washington and Edmonton are forced to rebrand, they are simply just using placeholder team names. And if the reaction to the Giltini's name has been that bad that the league is actually considering changing it or the Giltini's owners are considering changing it, then why not do something like that if you are the MLR and just, you know, use a placeholder name and just be like, all right, cool. Sorry, guys, we realize you hated the name. 
LARFC for the time being, we'll reveal a new name closer to the, when the season starts. Cause we, you need time to come up with it, right? Like you can't just like do it on the flash. So I like, even if it ends up being something like that, like that's fine by me. If it ends up being like, just stick with the guillotinis, but like they got to get a social media presence. They got to get, do something like they, you can't be, you can't expect to build hype. Like heck man, Hawaii's not even in the league and they're more active on social media. Right. And it's like, so I think like, if that's the benchmark you got to set, like you got to like, somebody has to be like, all right, like we got to start getting content out. If you're LA, yeah. um, whether you want to be like, we're going to, we're just going to own the fact that we're called the LA guiltinis and people don't necessarily like it or come out with like a placeholder name. If you're generally thinking about changing it, but start being active on social media because you're not helping anybody at this point. Like we or, need to, in, or in local news. Yeah. Like we, you like, need to promote this team. Like you got to start playing um, in February. So promote the team, right? Figure out what you're doing. Either own the Giltini's name or come out with like an LARFC placeholder. Right. And, and, and I mean, honestly, LARFC is just as good of a team name as Rooney and rugby ATL. So it's like, just do it. Just, just start promoting your team. That's all I'm asking. And you know, Gilchrist entry into the league was was a was rocky starts too with with the weird name and and a sudden change right like two weeks before the season started if if uh, yeah if I think it was like ten I, days or so it was crazy so the he, Gilgronis he, are really active on social media and that that's my like point the, right the, is the they the were aggressive are acting like they exist uh, like they were aggressive from the get go like yeah. as soon as that name changes they laid out their plans they they were aggressive with their their players getting active with the new. Yeah. Uh, transfer. They had that party where everyone was drinking those bright orange Gil, uh, Gilgronies and they had the jersey reveal and everything. Like They were hard-nosed to the grindstone, aggressive with making sure that everyone was on board with their plan and you know they got guys engaged and fired up about it. And it just, it, it's, it's such a stark contrast. So it, I, I'm happy that, that, uh, that we all kind of agree about it. Um, and we're, we're going to move on. Uh, so other signings include uh, um, uh, Rooney being very aggressive with, uh, with some of their signings. And it's exciting to see uh, Nate Brakeley's back. Dylan Fawcett back and two big new signings. So apologies if I get the names wrong guys. Uh, uh, Faye uh Fuatai and Apicina Kakabalavu have both signed Kakabalavu. I I mess. I psyched. I we psyched myself it. up. We practiced it. Before. We practiced this. But you know what? Uh, really exciting uh, uh, backgrounds in rugby for both of these guys, um, including all the guys that we've kind of mentioned, because a lot of them are bringing different things to their teams. Um, which sighting? Is, is has been most notable to you guys as fans? I'm going to say that uh, the re-signing of Dylan Fawcett for uh, Rooney is probably the um, one of the big ones, especially for all the uh, fans in New York, um, nicknamed the Butcher of New York. Um, he puts in like a massive impact every time I think I've seen him play. Um, and I know that uh, they are or were in 2019 uh, Toronto's closest rivals. And, you know, it's always good to have a strong rival to compete against. So I think uh, signing Dylan is definitely a uh, great uh, continuation for Rooney and a great thing for MLR, the Eastern Conference, at least. 
Yeah, I think there's uh, there's been a ton of great signings. Uh, Damian Stevens, we kind of already touched on him, though. Um, nice to see uh, some Namibian players getting, you know, coming over to Major League Rugby. I think, you know, th- I think they're kind of in a similar stage to us, I think, is, you know, Canada, United States is just like, you know, they might have, they have a lot of talented players, but it's like they need guys to be in a professional setup. So, you know, I think it's great to see that Major League Rugby teams are starting to look to the country of Namibia to get some quality players. Um, Nola also signed Juan Capiello from the Puma Settings, which is that's another huge signing. Um, and then, yeah, like I think I think to be honest with you, I think like Rooney. I mean, Dallas has to sign a lot of guys because they're an expansion team, so you gotta gotta be expecting them to be making tons of announcements, probably more so than anyone else, really. Um, uh, threatened Palamo uh, resigned with Old Glory DC. That's a nice. That's a great sign. Yeah. Get their captain back. That's huge. Um, I think, uh, but like you said, Rooney. I think Kakabalavu. Man, that is an entertaining player. Man, uh, he's just absolutely massive. Unreal, like um, unreal offloading ability. Very exciting player. Really tough to bring down. Has you know just. Because one, you have to catch him in order to bring him down, and he's huge, so he can like sh- um, shrug off your tackle if you do get to him, anyways. And you know, even if you do manage to bring him down, he's probably getting a one-handed behind the back offload away, anyways. Um, so you know, he's has scored a lot of fun highlight reel tries for uh, the Fijian Sevens. So I'm excited about that. I also just want to give a shout out to uh, Nate Brakely. Um, and honestly, I love Nate Brakely. Um, he's probably one of my favorite players in Major League Rugby. Not necessarily to actually watch, but just to read his stat line after the game. Because I feel like most of the time when Nate Brickley plays, I look at his stat line and be like, hey, I wouldn't like send an email to the MLR and be like, hey, somebody screwed up. It says he, you know, it says he made 40 tackles in this game or something. Like it's um that's actually kind of nuts. So like Brickley had Brickley led the MLR this year with uh 93 made tackles in five games. Um Matt he, uh, Matt Heaton, Rugby ATL. He was second. He had 74, so that's quite a gap already. Cool. The next highest guy on Rooney was Dylan Fawcett, who had 53. So he was nearly double his next highest teammate, which is impressive. As I said, um, against Houston, um, just ridiculous stats. He had t- 28 tackles at 100%, which that is bad. <laughs> Like I said, that's like, okay, no, somebody, you, there's a mistake there, right? 28 tackles at 100%? That's a mistake, I, you would think, but apparently he actually did that. He also had 41 offensive ruck mall arrivals and 19 defensive ruck mall arrivals in one game. Um, that's something. Um, so wow. Like, yeah, he's a... Uh, yeah, so he's he like I don't like I don't even have fun watching him. I just have fun like reading his stats after because those are hilarious. <laughs> like that's that's just impressive. I don't even know what to say to that. It's you almost want to fact check them, but when you do fact check them, you realize they're right. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Nick Boyer stay in the league. You know, he was one of the OG guys with uh, with the Legion. Uh, played two years and then made the switch to the. Uh, the Raptors last year and a Sacramento boy. So to come back to California must be feel really exciting for him. And, you know, this guy's got, got the experience, you know, MLR, uh, Eagles, uh, sevens caps, you know, he's, he's definitely had the experience. So I looked him to, I mean, we have no idea what LA is going to look like. We, him and Blake Rogers and, you know, a, a bunch of other rumors about other guys. So, 
you know, I'm excited to see what he can bring as a leadership role, especially being a California guy. Now, and, and, and Stu kind of touched on this uh, with, with Dylan Fawcett, but who do you think is going to be, and this, this kind of hurts you as, as an Arrows fan, but who do you think is going to be the, the best match against Toronto? Who's going to be causing the most chaos against them? Well, I think from both the abbreviated season in 2020 and one of the games in 2019, the team that uh, always put uh, Toronto to the wire or to the snow um, was the Raptors. Now, of course, they'll not uh, be around for 2021, but as we said, three of their players are now going to be heading to Dallas. So... um, uh, if we're following the same um, schedule format as uh, this year, so we'll be playing all these players at least uh, once. I've got to say, um, consternation, uh, Kalepi Fifita. Um, but I think of those, uh, of the three uh, former Raptors, I think Ryan James, who uh, not only has the experience um, from playing in Colorado as well as the youth leagues in Colorado. He also has experience um, from San Diego, especially with the Aztec Warriors youth rugby. He's also been with the SoCal Griffins. And I'm just trying to confirm. He's, um, he, uh, he also coaches young players with the uh, Nike rugby camps in um, about to say Canada, um, in uh, California. It's because they both start with CA, so getting confused. Um, and yeah, I think um, one of uh, one of the best ways of to learn is to try and teach it. And if he's uh, teaching young kids, then he can uh, also teach the big kids a few things or two on the the rugby pitch. And you know, th- this guy is young. He um, was playing for the uh, under 19s seven. Uh, Dubia team in 2018 and helped them win the championship there. Uh, so he's like fresh off the blocks and obviously we all know that uh, with youth, especially as a winger, uh, with the youth um, comes speed as well as uh, seen by um, uh, Avery Oiterman for the Arrows in uh, 2019. So, you know, I'm definitely look- I'm looking forward to the Jackals as a entire unit, but uh, I'd be uh, I'd be very interested to see um, the arrows go up against Ryan James. Um, I okay. Um, I think yeah, the arrows smashed Colorado at home. I don't know. They don't have to if they even if they have to play some guys that used to play for Colorado. I feel like they don't have to play them in Colorado. So uh, they smashed them at home away. So Listen, I, the record is one and two. That's it is. It is true. It is true. Um, but they don't have to play that as that's not a collective unit anymore. Like it's a, it's the being divided up. It's being divided up. It'll be. <laughs> we um, got two teams to worry about now. <laughs> no, because none of them play in Colorado. Um, <laughs> It's the arrows are only two in Colorado, so now New Orleans would be the only MLR city they haven't won a game in. No, is that true? I don't think that's actually true. They haven't won in New York either. Yeah, they haven't won in New York. They haven't won a game against NOLA. That's the most New York NOLA, and then who else did they lose to on the road in year one? I guess Seattle. 
Seattle. Yeah. Took care of that. Uh, well, we eventually, yeah. We, we got to win in Seattle. Now, all right. That's, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, anyways, we're moving down the list. We'll soon have a win in every city. It's all good. Um, I think, though, yeah, I think Rooney, to me, is the uh, – I think Toronto is the best team in the East, and then Rooney, to me, is the second best team. And then I think, you know, you kind of have Nola, Old Glory, the Free Jacks, and then Nola, uh, Nola as well are kind of like – all kind of can fight for sort of that, that third spot sort of. Um, I think – so I, for that, I think you got to look at Rooney. You got to look at their whole roster. I think um, the pack, obviously Rooney has an outstanding line out and an outstanding mall, which when the arrows lost to Rooney in Rooney, that caused Toronto problems. Guys like, you know, guys like Fawcett, Brakely obviously have an impact on that. Um, like I said, Nate Brakely, his stats, when he's on his game, he's all over the pitch. It's a tough guy to deal with. Um, the Toronto Arrows obviously also have guys that have immense work rates of them of, on their own. Guys like Cialini, Della Vega, Diana, Rumball, Shep, they all have that work rate too. So it's like they can match that. Um, and then, you know, be up to the, the rest of the Rooney pack to see if they can match them because they'll be a little bit collective. Whereas Brakely kind of takes you know, the brunt of it as you're just kind of looking at the numbers, there's quite a gap between Brakely and his second teammate game in and game out. Um, so I think like that'll be it. Um, I think honestly, I feel like Rooney versus Toronto um, kind of has the makings to be one of the best rivalries in major league rugby. I think going into 2020, we would have had that playoff format that it's like, we're going to force them to play in the playoffs right now because it's going to be the conference setup. Hopefully that'll be the same setup as next year. The two games that Toronto and Rooney played, they're very close, right? Like the first game, Rooney came away the victors. That was a try on the last minute of the game. Um, and then obviously um, when they played in Toronto, famous Sam Malcolm drop goal toward the end of the game as well. And then Toronto hung on for the throughout the next couple of phases to secure the win there. Um, so they They've played some tight games, man. There is not much separating Toronto and New York. Um, and those will always be, to me, those are the ones that are fun to watch. Those will be the exciting teams to play and stuff. And I think going into the year, it's like, I think going into the year, you're still looking at Toronto and New York being the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. And if, you know, it prob- I'm thinking it might stay that way. Um, so right now I'd be looking at New York as just the team to keep an eye on if I was the Arrows. And it's a shame we didn't get that matchup this year because I think it would have been a lot of fun. You know what? I think that uh, that um, Nola is going to cause a lot of chaos. I think that uh, we saw some of their their strength, and they they took a, a, a strong twenty twenty Legion team pretty far. And I think that Damien Stevens is going to make it even harder for us to yeah. kind of get over that lump. So I, I'm interested to see what he does with with those. Uh, yeah, they, that, they have to team. they have to start preventing tries though. We know we know they can they can score tries, but they got to start preventing them a little bit too. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna move on, and uh, the Hawaiian MLR team is the, is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, you Hawaiian know, potential MLR team. Hawaiian potential MLR team. That is correct. Thank you, Derek. Um, Senator Glenn, uh, and I, I, I apologize, uh, Hawaiian fans, if I get his name uh, wrong. Uh, Waikai uh, revealed the following tidbits about the uh, the bid for uh, Kenaloa Hawaii Rugby. Um, Hawaii Tourism Authority has never heard of 
Kanaloa Rugby. Uh, the stadium authority has never talked to them. Um, the University of Hawaii has currently denied them their practice facilities. Now, that tidbit was kind of proven that it might be more about COVID than the deal. They don't want anyone using the facilities until things have cleared up in Hawaii. So that's still kind of unclear if that was a poor communication or just COVID. Um, but in Hawaii, uh, Airlines has no sponsor agreement with them as of yet. Now, uh, Stu made an important point about all these points, and it has to do with uh, uh, Tracy Atiga, who's the CEO, responded to those claims and reached out to the senator, and, and it was all kind of announced in a, in a press release on Facebook. Um, and now, Kanaloa ha also has pre-orders for their, their kit and merch on their site. Now, it's, it's oddly like a placeholder because it's all black and white. And, you know, when you think Hawaiian rugby, that it's, it doesn't seem right. But they are releasing comp products. So um, how damning are these comments from the senator to, to the, the, the bid? Because, you know, everything and, – and, again, Stu – I want you to kind of talk about this because I mean, all those points were made by Kil uh, Cam Kilgore about uh, all those things that, that uh, the Senator kind of debunked. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's not good to say the least. Um, <laughs> I think as well is that, um, well, I think this is one of the, there's a positive in all this, um, perceived negativity was that this was um, actually a story picked up by local news in Hawaii and this is how it has come to light. Um, I do want to uh, say that the exact quote regarding with the stadium authority um, is that the uh, senator said they've got less than a year to put this together. The fact they haven't actually contacted the stadium authority is very concerning to me. And the team manager, Cam Kilgore, was the person who made the initial claim. And Kilgore said on the MLR Rant podcast, Aloha Stadium has been very, very supportive of us. They want us to be the professional sports team that plays out of Aloha Stadium. Uh, obviously, the one of these statements is incorrect. And as I would like to say, oh, please let the senator be incorrect. Please let this be a miscommunication. Obviously, I can't say that. Um, but I think it's um, and it was shown in the um, uh, press release by Atiga that um, it was very. The language used was that she didn't refute any of the claims that the senator had made publicly. She did, however, finish off the claim. If I can get the exact thing up, because Facebook is slow for me. I apologize, um, but. Um, they have been in contact with the senator directly. They have been talking things other. He um, has said that he wants to join the scrum, so to speak. And, you know, it's obvious. I think that's another positive is that they now have, if they can get um, support from the senator and turn a negative into a positive, that will ultimately mean good thing. Um, the press release ended with, we back our statements we have shared publicly to avoid any misconceptions from outside parties moving forward. We encourage any individual or organization that would like to know more about our plans or our club to please reach out to us. 
Lahanui. And I think that's a very um, politically neutral approach to take. Um, as we're talking about these big deals with um, Stadia and um, sponsorship and stuff, it may be in, uh, so for example, uh, the Hawaiian airline, they say there's no sponsorship agreement with them as of yet. That may currently be in the process um, and nothing has been confirmed. So they don't want to, so they can't legally say that there is a um, sponsorship deal in place. Obviously this is all uh, speculation on my half. Um, the, as you said, uh, the University of Hawaii have denied them access to the practice facilities, but that may be more to do with COVID than just outright denying the rugby team. And it's, it may then also have been the case with um, the stadium authority, because it may have been the case that whoever the sensor was in contact with was with the stadium authority, but whoever Kilgore was in contact with was someone directly at Aloha Stadium. Obviously, I just want to just want to repeat. This is all speculation, um, but uh, yeah, I, because these have been announced um, officially on a broadcast. I think um, if uh, Atiga was to go on to a, a new show, either do like a Zoom call with um, local television in Hawaii, I think that would alleviate a lot of these concerns. One thing I um, also want to bring up, which other people have talked about, say on Reddit and social media, is uh, visas, which have been an issue for MLR teams, um, both in 2020 and in previous years. And um, everyone in the um, senior positions, none of them are US citizens. So all of them would require uh, visas to come over to um, Hawaii. And now obviously um, there may be a case of which they already have a visa in place. And just because of COVID, they've had to remain where they are. Um, but then again, it also brings on to like any potential um, players from uh, the Pacific Islands or New Zealand in that regard. And, but then again, we're also in the early part of this 90 day um, uh, saga of seeing if MLR will have a Hawaiian team for 2021. If not, then maybe 2022. Uh, I do believe that um, also because of the lack of sports currently on TV at the moment, that uh, these stories are now being brought to the forefront and there a lot more people are talking about them, ourselves included. And, you know, it could all just be a big misunderstanding and all we need to do is get in contact with Kanaloa Rugby and they may just say the same thing or they may say we can't talk about it. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, these haven't, it hasn't been like the best week for uh, Kanaloa Rugby, but at the same time, I'm not uh, writing off all their chances as of yet. Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster of excitement and pauses for concern ever since they kind of entered the world, uh, so to speak. So, so uh, thank you very much, Stu. Um, we're going to move on because we're, we're running a little bit short on time. Um, but some big news was announced by America's Rugby News. Um, the 2023 ARC will uh, – uh, sorry, the 2021 and the 2022 combined uh, are going to confirm for the, the qualifiers for the World Cup. Uh, so the ARC – 
has been kind of going through the motions of will it happen, will it not happen, and it is confirmed the America's Rugby Championship will act as America's one in two qualifiers for uh, the Rugby World Cup in 2023. Now, it is still, and an official announcement is forthcoming from World Rugby, and how this is going to look is going to be very interesting because uh, Pseudo-America and especially Uruguay are, are really pushing for South America to have one spot. Uh, and there are very real claims that Uruguay and Brazil and Chile deserve to kind of fight for one, especially with how Uruguay has gone. But it's going to be very interesting how uh, World Rugby decides for this tournament to kind of go. Um, if everything kind of goes as normal, um, it will give us uh, uh, the one and two spots, and then the third spot will go into uh, the repechage tournament. Now, my, my question to you guys, gentlemen, is this qualification route good or bad? And, and then answer this question at the same time, is which nations do you see qualifying as America's one, two, and three? I mean, I like using the ARC as the rugby qualifier, the rugby World Cup qualifier. I think, you know, it real realistically, it's the highest tournament that we have in the Americas. It's the best teams in the Americas, and like that's who should be competing for the Americas one, one, two, and three spots. It should be those teams, right? So if we already have a tournament in place where we have that, then that's great. The only thing, like, I would kind of wonder, like. Like, I mean, at that point, like, is Argentina 15 the best team to be in that? Or do you want to have, like, give, you know, give, like, an, the next up, you know, South American country a shot at qualifying for, like, the one-off tournament of being in a World Cup qualifying year? Maybe that's something to look at. But also, at the same time, playing Argentina 15, playing better competition is better for everybody. Um I like the idea that they have introduced the promotion relegation so um, with the America's Rugby Championship. So maybe that opens up the door for somebody to potentially, you know, I mean, I don't really think they would have a dark horse run, but I mean, who knows, right? We've seen weirder things. Who knows if Mexico, you know, gets in and in the year that the the qualifying year. We've seen weirder things happen in sports. I I would be all down for that. That would be awesome. Honestly, that would be kind of cool. Um, It'd probably make me cry as a Canadian fan, but it would probably be cool. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think it's great. I mean, it's it's the best tournament in in our part of the world. So like, why why shouldn't you use it as a World Cup qualifying tournament? Um, it's just obviously like, how is it going to work with Argentina fifteen? Have they said like, if Argentina fifteen wins the ARC, does that just go like the their results will not second? count? So if they if they're first, then. Then second place whoever finishes second gets the america's one spot and then so on and so forth well it's essentially a separate table will be probably conducted over the two years um it's okay. similar to um what's happened what happens in europe with the european nations championship which is like the six nations b level mm-hmm. um so for example between um going into the 2019 world cup uh, georgia had already qualified so any results against those te- against uh, Georgia um, wouldn't count, but okay. all the other teams would. So, and so I think Ar- it would probably Argentina just be the same. just gets kind of like this. So they have a separate table, so the game against Argentina fifteen just doesn't go towards. The yeah. So the point total for the purpose of qualification. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For the purpose of you can still win the ARC with your Argentina. Okay. 
So, RGD, so let me ask you. Yeah. Right. Let me ask you guys about what you prefer. Would you prefer it to be decided within one tournament, where at the end of it, you know, if USA is on top, Canada two, Argentina three, that's or Uruguay three, that's how they go. Or do you like the idea of it being a multiple year tournament? Do you like it being two years, where then and then after the two years, it's overall points. What you have is what it, what it is. I I would go with the multiple year tournament, and like I said, European influence here, and I've seen the competition in Europe, so I, um, and if that's how it's been read, I also think it removes any concern of like home advantage. So if the top teams from a one year competition are all the home team or the teams with more home games, then the argument could be made well the other teams only add two home games compared to three, um, but the important thing is that you want with your teams is that you want to um, gauge success and improvement. You, I don't think it'd be fair to say, um, I know in previous years they haven't been able to get um, all like the top Canadian players like uh, Tyler Ardron to come play in the ARC. They've moved the tournament now to roughly the same time as the rugby Southern hemisphere rugby championship. Uh, I, now have to differentiate between which rugby championship I'm talking about. The so I think if you have a like stacked team for the one year qualification process, then it just is incredibly unfair. Like say for example, Argentina hadn't qualified for um, the next World Cup, would you then change the Argentina 15 into just Argentina and then? just have them smash all the competition and take America's one in one year. I don't, I don't necessarily think that's fair, but then it's also a moot point. So, um, but yeah, you want to I feel like have a team is safe in the America's region for, for a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, I think like a consistently strong, uh, national team is something to strive towards. Um, and then, because I think one of the big concerns with Canada when they were unable to get the America's one or two spot for 2019 is that the games that they then had to play for, say, the repercharge could have been time spent um, with touring teams. So, for example, the USA in that time frame um, hosted Scotland and beat Scotland for the first time, their first win over a Tier 1 nation. Now, imagine if uh, Canada had... Um, had that kind of game in, uh, I don't know, Toronto, for example, and all the revenue that would have come from a game like that. Um, so I think having uh, the competition over two years uh, is more fair. So everyone has like the same home away advantage. And, and something to remember is that in uh, 2018, the ARC game between Canada and Uruguay was used as the America's two allocation team, so allocation spot. So prior to the tournament, Canada played Uruguay, and then the return fixture was the following week, which then formed part of the ARC. So... Uh, I think it's I think it's great that the ARC is being used as a qualification platform. Uh, just waiting for the official confirmation, obviously. And yeah, and yeah, you know, it also removes the 
um, now outdated notion that uh, the USA and Canada are the automatic Americas one, two, because Uruguay have not only knocked on the door, they've kicked the door down. So we'll, we'll quickly go over them, but uh, Derek, who are your, your, your one, two, and three in the Americas? If we were doing it right now, predictions, prediction time. Um, yes. One, uh, well, okay, so I would say Uruguay. I think Uruguay will, I think Uruguay wins this tournament. I mean, honestly, it's like their team has improved so much. They've really, I think they've really benefited from MLR. Um, you know, COVID kind of shut down the SLAR season in which more of their guys would have been playing pro. So that's also another benefit. And, you know, they, they smashed Fiji. To, well, I guess they didn't really smash Fiji, but they beat Fiji at the World Cup. Um, so that's a, that's a big scalp for them. And I hope that, um, you know, I think they're, they're, they just have the momentum kind of rolling, rolling towards that. And I don't see why they couldn't win. And then two, I would have USA, just because the recent streak uh, between USA and Canada games um, hasn't really looked all that great. And um, so, I mean... Who don't, I mean, hopefully Canada can pull out of that and start beating the United States, get back to beating a team that we used to regularly beat. But until that happens, I'll say USA for now. And then uh, I would say, honestly, it'd be probably between Canada and Brazil. And I would lean Canada in that one, even though, but you got to remember too, Brazil's beaten Canada pretty recently. So um, it'll be, it should be interesting. So I think though, if you had that, the interesting thing to keep in mind too, I think is if you have that, what Canada comes in at three, they go to the repishage tournament and where they qualify for the last world cup. But like for the last world cup too, like Spain and Romania got DQ'd from the qualification process. Right. So they ended up with Germany in the repishage tournament while Russia went on to the world cup. Right. So it's like, you know, if that like, obviously that might not happen. That probably won't happen again. You would assume that that would not happen again. That'd be bizarre if that happens twice. So it's like that repechage tournament. You could be looking at teams like Spain or Romania, as well as um, like a team like Kenya and Hong Kong back in the repechage tournament too. So the repechage tournament, ARC is getting harder. The repechage tournament is also going to be getting harder. Um, Canada's road to the World Cup, I don't think, will necessarily be an easy one, especially with countries around them getting better. So it's like we gotta, you know. We've got to, you know, pull our boots up too and uh, start, you know, start improving this team because it's been a lot of losses lately. So, which is, this is a very bleak outlook for a Canadian rugby podcast. I'm apologize to people listening to this, but hey, we got to start winning some games. Stu, do you, do you feel as, uh, as gloom, gloomy as uh, Derek? Well, I come from the nation of overcast weather, so I'm used to doom and gloom on the daily. I, I'm going to be super controversial. This may be my final appearance on the podcast because of this. Oh, gosh. But I, oh, no. I he's would, going even darker than me. He's going to... Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I, oh, no. I, I would agree that I'd say Uruguay would probably be uh, America's one. Yeah. Um, I think what... Uh, both nation, um, America's two and America's three nation could do would be a home and away fixture to determine um, who qualifies as America's two. Um, you know, generate a bit more revenue and uh, get uh, fans to come see another game. Always good. Um, uh, so I would say, yeah, America's two would be the United States. But if it was ha- if it was held right now, I'd say America's three would be Brazil. 
Oh gosh, yeah. All right, we got to kick you off. This is not it. <laughs> um, it was a pleasure to have you, uh, <laughs> you joining us this past couple of uh, weeks. Um, I mean, I thought I went dark and doom and gloom on that. He went like straight, like because I was like the repechage tournament would be hard because there's other teams that could be in it. Stu's just like they ain't even getting to the repechage, so he went even darker than that. Well, it, well, it's like you said, if um, Spain and Romania and Belgium hadn't been disqualified from the European um, tournament, it would have been Romania in the repertoire. And do you, do you honestly think that Canada would have beaten Romania? I think, uh, I think man, that's, that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. You have yeah. to play. I feel like I just want to be like, you have to play the games for a reason just to avoid answering this question. Yeah. Yeah, I. You also uh, had your uh, piping hot take of Namibia would have beat Canada on Twitter. Yeah, I say piping hot, more like tepidly warm opinion. Um, that would have been a fun I, game. I hope they make that game happen. Like, just I. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see the national just for fun. Why not? Yeah, maybe that's one of the conditions of uh, Damien Stevens yeah. signing for Nola Gold is that uh, Canada have to play Namibia before the next World Cup. Yeah, just a grudge um, match, just yeah. for no trophy, nothing. Let's just be like, just who who wins this game? But the the reason why I said I picked Brazil over Canada is because I think this is now the time for Canada's rebuilding. I think. I've gone on it about a number of times on uh, previous podcasts, but it's now the time to focus on like the young players, bring them up. These are the players that are going to be playing not just in 2023, but ideally 2027, possibly uh, 2031 in Canada. And, you know, you need to get as much international experience as you can with these guys. And if the, if the young boys can step up to the plate and can prove themselves then i would see canada going in like america's two maybe even america's one but as they were going into say like the 2019 america's rugby championship then i don't see them even getting that far wow wow so so i'm gonna i'm gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit a couple things so (laughs) yes uh canada did lose Congrats, congrats, Stu. You made uh, uh, incredibly angry here. 18 to 10. It, it was a close match. Um, Josh Reeves was a kicking machine. Josh Reeves also did not play an MLR last year. I don't even think he got to play a game in Slar. So, you know, a lot of unknowns. Uh, I'm going to remind you guys what the score was in the ARC before that. It was 45 to 5 for Canada. That's, mm. that's I said they would beat Brazil. Like, You're just talking right? stew right now. I said they uh, would. And also, and also, also <laughs> the aggregate score for when Uruguay defeated Canada was 70 to 60. That's a converted try and a kick. You know, the, in that game, Canada did lead for good parts of that that final game, and unfortunately, lets the game slip away. In the first game, yeah, it, it was a U- tough Uruguay's loss. won four in a row against Canada, though, right? But even think about the the ARC game that they lost. Uh, it was an unfortunate end to the game, but they still played well against them. And even look, other than the PNC game that they that they played against the U.S. in Glendale, the, the Canada games against the U.S. in the past year and a half have been close games. Yeah, they're still you know? losing, though, and it's still they're still losing. But yeah, the, the that's, games that's the point I was making. Is in but, you can pl- you can play well and lose, but you still lose. You yeah. you can play gritty and murky and. Downright boring, but if you win the game, 
then you get more points. You you win yes. the game by getting, and you, you win you win by scoring more points in the game, and then you get more points from a win than even yes. getting a losing bonus point and I, scoring I four tries. I understand that. I understand how, how it works. But what I'm <laughs> what I'm the point I'm trying to make, guys, is you guys are making the gap, and I, and again. There's a lot of unknowns here. We saw how well Fiji played at the World Cup. I mean, we cannot take that away from Uruguay um, beating Fiji. But I think the gap is not as far as people think it is. I think that there, there needs to be a lot of changes with Rugby Canada, how they play the damn game. But I, I look at the way that the Arrows played this year, and if you have Detroit and, jo- and Lesage playing like Kingsley Jones wanted them to – uh, for Canada at in you know, the next ARC and them doing their thing together. And some of the other pieces that, that work so well with the arrows being injected into rugby Canada. I'm going to say that the USA is definitely number one still. And I think it's a dog fight between Uruguay and, and Canada. I, I think Uruguay is second, but I think that is a lot closer than some than, than you two think. And it might just be because I'm a homer. It might—I mean—that's the reason why we do this damn podcast. Is, is we want to—we want to, you know, grow grow the sport. And but I think that the the, the 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 difference between all three of the teams are a lot closer. We could easily have Uruguay, Canada, U.S. It could be all three. I think that uh, Canada has a lot more coming for them. We've also been making some weird decisions, like having Gordon McRory start as as the nine. When we've had you know guys I like mean, Will Pacillier not play at all, like there's just weird yeah, decisions. we gotta that, start. start, that start change. Well, that's the thing. It's like I think we kind of I we talked about it when we had Brian Ray on, and I was just like, man, it's like there's a lot of lineups, and I'm like, all right, cool. We've been losing pretty steadily for the last five to ten years. Like, why are we doing the same thing? Yeah, like there's cool man. Like you've played at a World Cup. If you've played at a World Cup, it's like, uh, like I mean, I'm kind of like sweet. Like guys like Lesage, Quatrain, they get to, like those guys can stay. But like, yeah, like um, you know, we had that we had that conversation a couple episodes ago. Like honestly, like I don't want to see a guy like DTH on playing at another World Cup. Like why? It's cool, man. Like he's like we he's played at four. We've never made it to the quarterfinals or anything in those four. Like it's. You know, it's just been to me. It's just been a steady decline down the world rankings, and it's just it's time to kind of go look in other directions, look at other players, look at other combinations. I think in the time of Major League Rugby, and now I know in saying this, Ben Lesage was technically an amateur player for the last World Cup, even though I mean I think he kind of proved that he deserved to be there. And obviously, in playing with the Toronto Arrows now, it's like he's 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 got the thirteen jersey for the Arrows or for the Team Canada as well, I should say. Um, but yeah, next World Cup. So I don't want to see amateur players anywhere. Yeah, near the national team. No, no, like, no. no. But look, like, look at honestly, the difference on yeah, like no. guys like Sears Duru and Cole. Yeah, and Cole no Keith. one. Sears Duru was was playing sometimes on the bench for the Warriors, and he came over to the Seawolves and was getting like consistent starting time, and it made the world's difference for his confidence and and how he was a player. Same thing with Cole Keith this year, starting for the Arrows. You know, having a, a stronger World Cup. He's become a, a gr- one of the best tight heads in the league. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you. Yeah, get, get get guys starting time. Get guys in professional environments, and you know that's the other thing too, man. It's like I think the two biggest glaring holes too, man. We need we need another scrum half to step up. Not Phil Max retired, and like you said, if Gordon McCrory is not going to play professional rugby, then I mean we-, we need to yeah find another scrum half, and then um, I mean. 
fly half. Um, we <laughs> talked about that, man. I don't. Oh, um, dude. Uh, Bill Kelly, what do you got? Yeah, I was gonna Off say. Webster. <laughs> yeah. Nelson, are you still around? Like, are you? Are Forge, you Forge Taylor Adams movie? passport. Like, let's yeah. come up with something. Um, yeah, we need a. Geez, yeah, we need a fly half. Pat Parfait. Pat Parfait. I mean. Over thirty, but over thirty by the next World Cup, I think. Yeah, thirty by the next World Cup. When has that ever held Canada back? No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We need more. Jamie Pritchard, what? Yeah, we need. Yeah, uh, hey man, if you want, if you, if we like, yeah, if we have fly halves, I want to come out and be um, like the highest scoring player in Canadian history. Then so be it. Um, Yeah, I'm sure that Taylor Adams doesn't have a uh, Canadian grandparent. That uh, yeah, find 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 somebody. Make yeah, I have no idea. Forge a birth certificate, say he was born in Moose Jaw or something. I don't know. Um, but, For legal reasons, we just want to say, don't do that. But right. do do that. We should have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You probably don't want to actually listen to us, and we are certainly not encouraging people to, you know, forge legal documents in order to win a rugby match. We just really would like Canada to win a rugby match at some point um, in 2021 or 2022. And hopefully against somebody better than Chile. You know, we're, we're going to finish up here, guys, with one little bit of news. And it's just one of those things where we talk about the Toronto Wolfpack and then the day later they drop the biggest news that they've dropped in months. The, the Toronto Wolfpack have bowed out of the 2020 Super League season. And we're not really going to get into it because there are so many facets of this story that are still unraveling. You know, uh, yes, there were visa issues. Yes, they were dumping a whole lot of money into it. But, you know, we're not rugby league commentators. So we're, we just want to say that uh, it's unfortunate. You know, uh, we, have, we, we, for the most part, are casual league fans with the Wolfpack and we want them to, you know, succeed in Toronto. Uh, so it's unfortunate to see them happen. Hopefully, who knows with 2021 what will happen. You know, I mean, they might be there. They might not be there. They might be in, yeah. in the, the second tier. Yeah, They might think, stay in the UK. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, they've, they've had financial issues for a long time. And I think COVID-19 really hardcore caught up to them. Um, but I and mean, a league that doesn't really want to support them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it appears that way too. But I think, you know, it's there's a lot of like I said, man. It's like the, we talked about this when Sonny Bill signed. It was like, man, like you know, one, you're the only team in the league that can't afford to you know participate anymore. And it's like they have they've taken some like ridiculous deals from the RFL too, like being like paying for the team's flights to Toronto or not it's being like, involved yeah, we won't in the get TV. any money from the TV yeah, deal. That's not fine. being involved in the TV deal. Not even having a TV deal really for Canada um as well, which is also this just doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help marketing. But even like, you know, it's like you kind of look at their financial situation and it's like all the other Super League teams would have a salary cap where that's like they're probably kind of tight too. So it's like the salary cap's two point one million dollars. And then you know, even if they have some marquee player signings, most teams are probably floating around between two and three million pounds um for that cap. And then you have Sonny Bill Williams here who's making 2.5 million pounds a year. And it's like, no matter, no matter how you look at that, it's like, yeah, like you signed a guy for double the salary cap. So now like COVID-19 hits, which is obviously something that you can't predict, but the Wolfpack's payroll is double every other team in major league rugby. Cause they have to pay Sonny Bill Williams. And it was right. So it's, I don't know. It's the, the, there's been some decisions that you have to, I think you have to question. 
Oh, I still sure. think, it, yeah, that deserve to be questioned and should be questioned. And, you know, fans, especially like, you know, players coming out and being like, we haven't been paid in X amount of time too. It's like, they deserve to question that. Um, articles coming out saying players ref- didn't report to practice because they didn't know if they were getting paid. Like that's something that you kind of have to question and stuff. And obviously the RFL is pissed with the, um, you know, the threat of we'll discuss what the longer term consequences will be. Um, so I don't, we'll see what happens. I, f- I just, honestly, I feel there's a lot of people that are diehard Wolfpack fans. I just kind of feel bad for them. Like this, this yeah. For them. Yeah. Cause I know that, um, there's obviously a lot of jokes about, um, the Wolfpack fans, you know, being mainly cardboard cutouts that they, uh, stick in Lamport stadium, but there are, there are some like diehard fans in Toronto. Passionate yeah. Wolfpack I know. There. I know that, uh, there's like Sher and Lil who are very vocal on uh, Twitter about their support for the Wolfpack. And um, just want to say that the like, Super League, as of the time of recording, have not made a decision about the Wolfpack, knowing us that'll probably change within five hours of uh, uh, finishing this recording. Um, and yeah, I, I can understand that if this was, say, the Arrows had to remove themselves from MLR um, because they couldn't play in the US for whatever reason, um, we would be devastated and we'd be um, nervous about this uh, week of uncertainty of what would happen um, going forward. So yeah, my heart goes out to them, to the entire Wolfpack pack. And yeah, I'm, you know, I'm hoping for positive news and I, um, I, what I do know is that the championship and league one of rugby league have, um, ended their seasons there will be no promotional relegation in those leagues which has given me the potential confidence that there will be a um 12 league team of super league with the Wolfpack remaining if there's no promotion from the championship of course i have no idea but i'm just hoping for the best for the Wolfpack. well guys that's all we have for tonight um if you guys are, uh, if you folks listening are interested in uh, uh, listening to more of our podcasts, uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Lulu's Rugby. Links to all our previous episodes. We've talked about, you know, the journey to the World Cup, the Arrows' first season, um, the post World Cup, the, the you know uh, what's been kind of happening during COVID, a whole bunch of different things. So please uh, look back and listen. We've got a lot of really exciting stuff uh, coming up soon. So. Uh, enjoy uh, the, the latest batch of arrow signings and uh, all the chaos that MLR continues to bring into our life. <laughs>